are now listening to Keeping the Balance, KTB Podcast. Join us as we examine life as men, confronting tough issues, raw and unfiltered. Keeping it real while keeping the balance. This is the KTB Podcast. All right, all right. Welcome to the KTB Podcast. I am your host, Ernie. And I've got my man, Research Red, co-host. And uh, today we have uh, Mr. Adam Dragoon, Pastor Dragoon from Virginia Beach. Hello, hello. Yes, sir. And so before we dive in, we want to go ahead and do a quick plug real quick. My man, Red, if you could take it away. Yeah. um, Here at the KTB Podcast, we we are just beginning. Uh, We're in the infantile stages of what we do here, but we really enjoy, enjoy what we do. And uh, we want you guys to give us feedback, uh, constructive criticism. We love it. And we love to also, also have you guys follow us on social media. So you can follow us over on Instagram at the KTB Podcast. And you can also follow us on Twitter at the KTB Podcast. And if you guys would like to shoot us an email, we are on Gmail. And that Gmail is Podcast at gmail.com. Like I said, we would love to have you guys follow us. You get live notifications whenever we drop a new podcast, a new episode. So uh, plug in, stay tuned, hit that like button, subscribe, and follow on all social media platforms. All right, all right. That's what I'm talking about. So you uh, you are actually our first pastor that we have on this show. I'm yeah. sure not the last. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be awesome you oh, know, yeah. if, if we get more pastors on here. You this know? is a new chapter now. And so, yeah, yeah. So thank you for joining well, us. Well, you know, pastors are human beings too. Yeah. So right. Sometimes we have this thing of where we put pastors on pedestals. And yes, we want to show respect toward those who are in leadership. Right. But uh, at the same time, you know, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't think of them as some kind of spiritual professional. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like when I, especially, obviously, I was discipled by Pastor Campbell in, there in Chandler, Arizona. So I see him as a father figure and also spiritual leader. But one thing I learned about him, especially since I've been pastoring, is that he's a human being too. And Absolutely. and you know, there's times that that uh, I can spend with him and just hang out and have a good time. And uh, I, I really appreciate that about our fellowship, which is that. Uh, that our pastors are accessible. Like they're real people. They're not set on this pedestal. So, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys, you know, putting on the show of uh, respectfulness and all that stuff, but I'm I'm here to participate in your podcast today. So we'd love to get into the discussion. Man, absolutely. That's awesome, man. That actually sets the tone a little bit differently, you know? I feel feel better after that. (laughs) I do, right? Like, it's like the nervousness just kind of, all right. (laughs) Y'all chill out, man. (laughs) Uh, so if you can, Pastor Dragoon, if you could introduce yourself to our audience for those that are listening. Sure. Yeah. So uh, you, you got the, the, the short version already, but uh, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona and uh, eastern side of the valley. And uh, so I grew up in a, a Christian home. Uh, family was pretty religious. Uh, I would go to church on Sundays and uh, and then got a little bit older. I started getting involved in our teen ministry at the church that I went to. And I can remember pretty clearly uh, early on, I went to a Bible camp. I think I was about 13 years old. And that was really the first time that I understood the gospel, that I was a sinner, that I was in need of God's grace, and that without Christ, I was going to be judged in my sin. And that scared me. So I, uh, <laughs> I, I repented. And the, the problem with that was that 
I didn't really have a lot of good examples to look up to of people who were living for God. So the problem was when I got back after the Bible camp, uh, my life didn't really change. So I was not born again. Um, so, but I was kind of on the right track. And, uh, if you, if you asked me if I was saved at that time, I probably would have said yes, but looking back on it now, probably no. not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and how old were you? That was when I was about 13 years old. 13. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah in, uh, San Luis Obispo, California. Oh, it was man. a beautiful place. But, uh, so fast forward to when I was 15 years old, that was a tough year for me because, uh, I had two grandfathers that I was very close to that both passed away within six months of each other. Oh, man. So the first one uh, was my grandfather on my mother's side, and he had had leukemia for three years. Uh, So he had gone into remission twice and then come back and and then got it again, and this was the final time. I, I know that he was a believer. He was a strong man of faith. So... Yeah, that was tough to go through. I was there in the room when he actually passed away. Uh, so we, we had the gift of knowing it was going to happen. But still, that doesn't make it any easier when it does. And so yeah. it was tough for a 15-year-old kid to go through that. And uh, and so trying to process that, knowing that he's in heaven. And then uh, about six months later, my grandfather on my dad's side uh, w- was very suddenly had a heart attack, you know, and, and died all of a sudden. So um, I... It was tough for me to go through at the time, obviously, but I, I can see the strategy that God had in it because yeah. all that it did, and my grandfather, my dad's side, was not a Christian. He was not a spiritual person at all. So just trying to process that in my brain, I'm thinking, okay, one's in heaven, one is probably not. And mm. so it, rough, it, uh, it began to really uh, have an effect on, on who I was. Same time I got invited to... Uh, the Potters or the the Door Christian Center there in Chandler in Chandler Arizona, and uh, started hearing some Pastor Campbell preaching, and realized <laughs> that all of my religion was not enough to save me. So uh, I can tell that God used all of those circumstances to bring me to a point of salvation and decision. And so I got saved when I was uh, uh, late in my 16th year, getting close to my 17th birthday, and that was uh, 23 years ago. That is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome, man. And he truly did change my life immediately. Um, one of the things that changed was my mouth. I stopped cussing even without trying to stop cuss cussing. It was like a, an automatic change. Oh, wow. So God changed my mouth, and, and that, that was just you know the first initial sign that something had changed. And then a couple of weeks later, I, we had a Glenn Cluck revival. I didn't even know what a revival was, right. but Glenn Cluck was there sweating and everything. And uh, <laughs> man, pr- uh, he preached on the Holy Ghost, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And man, it was I was off to the races after that. Yeah, you were. Man, wow, that's awesome. I, I remember when I had to like like when I got saved, and um, I had to make it a conscious effort to stop cursing because yeah. I cursed like a sailor, literally, yeah. right? And being in the Navy, so I had to like hold captive every single thought, like and think about it before I opened my mouth. And so, like, that's amazing yeah. that you were able, mm, just like that. Uh, I, I don't take any credit for it because, I, right. you know, it's God. Uh, right. I had the gift of uh, having a very good follow-up director in our church yeah. named Dan Rubianis. Uh, he was uh, late, would later become a missionary in India, but he, he was the one that followed up on me. And uh, when I told him that, like, I, I said, hey, I, I don't know, that something weird happened. Like, I stopped cussing. <laughs> and he was like, man, that's a miracle. And he said... <laughs> It he, is. he told me something very encouraging. He said, when you get discouraged and when the devil starts, you know, accusing you, just remember that God changed you already. Mm. And that's going to help carry you through other things. If God can do a miracle like that, then he can do 
miracles that's in other good, parts of your character that's too. A good reference yeah. point, and so man. immediately, you know, that that kind of set me on this uh path of discipleship like okay, my life can change. God changed my life here. And, you know, not everything in my life changed automatically in right. a moment of time. Yeah. In fact, there's still a few things 23 years later that I, that God's still doing in my right. life. Thank God. But uh, I, I still have confidence that he can change. And that's what we celebrate on Resurrection Day. That's right. the power of life over death. That's right. And so, yeah. Absolutely. Man, that's awesome. And and so what's, if you could just real briefly, what's, what's, what's your life look like now? You're living in Virginia Beach, married. Yeah, yeah, all of that. Uh, so uh, I was uh, a disciple in the church uh, for several years, and uh, uh, through working with my pastor, wanted to to be launched out. Uh, in 2005, I was the door director there in the Chandler Church, uh, which was uh, a learning experience. Oh, I <laughs> for all of our door directors, man, I, yeah. my heart goes heart out goes to out. because it's like that's 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 where pastor leans on you oh, yeah. and right. some and and whenever you apply pressure to something and if it's not fully if 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 it's not solid you're going to get some cracks you yeah. know and but that only goes to refining yeah right? i know you've learned the some v- very valuable lessons during that time unbelievable yeah <laughs> so i well i was a i was a prideful little punk man but um just a word for door directors if any of them might hear this is uh, uh you really ought to be grateful, yes, for your pastor and the leadership and guidance you get from him, but also from your mother church. You know, I look back at that time and I think of all the stupid mistakes I made and the price that people in the church had to pay for it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, they they carried so much of that burden and their patience, you know, putting up with uh, with the, the leadership styles of somebody who didn't know what he was doing. Right. I'm so grateful for seasoned saints in our mother churches who do that time and again for these new door directors that are coming through their oh, churches. Come on. Right. There is a powerful reward in heaven for people <laughs> like that who will put up and submit themselves to that to that leadership. So I, I look back at people in the Chandler Church today, you know, they're still doing the same thing with these whippersnappers that are rising up <laughs> yeah. in ministry right. that I had to go through. So I'm really grateful for faithful uh you know church members who do that again and again and right. again. You it's know so what? awesome. That actually segues perfectly into our topic today, you know, which is the anatomy of I'm sorry. Yeah. And that is Perfect uh, intro. Appreciate that. <laughs> and so, no problem. Nice little segue. <laughs> what I'm here for. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. You know. And it's. Uh, so we we want to go ahead and cover this on how to how to admit that we've made mistakes or how as men we process the fact that uh, we've made a mistake, how to realize that, and how to get over how how to get over ourselves and our ego and actually moving forward and what it takes to say I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And the deliverance that comes with that, yeah, yeah, right. And and so, what is the importance of being able to admit faults in relationship? Oh, it's critical. You can't have a relationship without it. You can't uh, if you are the kind of person who can't see your own faults. You're going to be very lonely in life. Oof. You're not going to be able to build any deep relationships. Sometimes there's people who uh, they can see their faults and they realize that there's a problem, but they're unwilling to deal with it. And those are people who carry with them uh, many times a spirit of rejection and for years uh, not able to to build real good relationships with people, and especially among men. This is really a problem as men grow older. Sometimes we have good relationships with other men, you know, growing up, uh, participating in sports, uh, young men in discipleship. But 
what I've discovered is as I'm getting a little bit older, I'm not old yet, but getting a little bit older is that I have a great um, value for the relationships with other men that I have. That's something that I have to, I have to cultivate and I have to treasure because uh, it doesn't come automatically. It's something that you have to work on, especially uh, relationships between men. And that's why the church is such a great gift. That's right. I agree. Yeah. So can you, um, Can you reflect on a time where you uh, maybe as a disciple in the church growing up where you, like you said, you were door director. I'm sure that there were some mistakes that you might have made, you know, and what (laughs) now what did it did it take an older saint being able to get your attention or was there a time where you out of yourself where it's like, ah man, I really blundered that one, man. Oh, yeah. I mean. I've, I've had plenty to apologize for over the years, but um, I think w- a good starting place for this is that we have to remember that apologies and being able to say, I'm sorry, you know, the spiritual term for this is repentance. So mm. this is the entry point into the relationship that we have with God. That's true. That's it's right. the very beginning. Uh, without that, you're not going to have anything else, right. right? So we know that Christ died for everybody. Right. That the blood of Jesus is for every human being on planet Earth, but mm-hmm. not everybody's saved. And mm-hmm. the reason why is because not everybody is willing to repent. Not everyone will acknowledge their sin. Not everyone will admit that they're they're wrong. And that point of pride, that point of not being able to say uh, I did something wrong, is what's preventing right. most of the world from being saved and experiencing the blessing of God's presence. So yeah, I had plenty of stuff that I did wrong. Uh, Pastor Campbell uh, was very skilled, we could say, <laughs> at, uh, at, at being able to uh, pinpoint things that, that in, in my character, and not mine alone, but many disciples, that needed to be challenged. And one of the things that he kind of drilled into our brains, he said, he said make sure that you, you understand that you're the problem here. Right. It's not circumstances. It's not the thing that uh, somebody else did. Say, I'm the problem. And he would make us say that. Honest say, self-evaluation. I'm the problem. And he would make you say it out loud. Like, so repeat just after say me. Just say it. Say, I'm the problem. <laughs> because <laughs> because how, how much do we do to avoid that? You know what absolutely. I'm saying? Right. And, to save face. Absolutely. And, and that's something that's you know should be built into our characters uh, from very young ages. But in this day, that, that's something that doesn't get into a lot of people. No, it's not, man. To be able to say, I'm the problem. I did something wrong here. I'm going to take ownership on that. That's that Jocko Williams book. Extreme you know, ownership. Uh, Extreme Willing, yes, sir. It, it's me. Ownership. I'm I'm the man. That's, that's, uh, that's, you know, the prophet Nathan pointing his finger in, in the chest of David and saying, you're the man, David. And, and him being able to look at the situation and say, yeah, you know what? It's not me. It's not uh, outside. It's not the armies coming against me. It's not all this. It's not. It's not my forefathers. It's not a curse on my family. You know what? It's, it's me. Me. It's me. And right there is the point where freedom begins. That's right. Mm. Right there is the point where relationship starts. And so, uh, yeah, I can remember <laughs> there was a there was a time that uh, as a as the door director that we were doing a parade float there was a parade going through chandler and there was this uh we had this battery pack uh, that was providing power for our pa system on the trailer right so uh so we had these two like they were these giant bus batteries or something and they were in a milk crate and so one of the things that i had to do was 
After the parade was over, I had to take the batteries and plug them in so that they would recharge. So without thinking, I, I just plopped them on the, the kitchen countertop in the, in the Chandler Church and you know, plugged in the charger, make sure they would get charged up. I said, yeah, did my job. Good job. A salute and say goodbye. <laughs> and uh, so in the morning, what had happened is that all of the, the water that was inside the batteries had like overflowed. Oh, wow. Because you're supposed to unplug them at a certain time. Well, I don't know. There was something about the the, the level of the water. I, I I didn't understand everything, but yeah. uh, basically, all of the you know all of this battery acid had spilled all over the kitchen countertop oh in the church. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so we, we got to church the next morning on Sunday morning, and uh, oh on Sunday morning too. Uh, that's, uh-huh. that's terrible. <laughs> and you know I'm the first one there. Seven a.m. Uh, well, no, I wasn't the first. Pastor was there earlier than me. He's always there earlier, but uh, but he had discovered it you know before I got there. So. I got a nice, I got a nice, you know, whoop in for that. Like, but in my mind, I was like, I didn't know anything about battery acid. You know, how was I supposed to know this? I've never been through this, but, but pastor Campbell, he made sure that I took responsibility for it. Right. And, you know, and there was this, like it was battery acid eating through the countertop. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's, that's insane. Yeah. So, you know, I I went in there and, you know, I cleaned it all up. I, I did what I had to do. And, and, uh, and I, and then I went in and I said, pastor, you know what? Um, if, if you need me to pay to replace the countertops, I will. Right. And when he saw that I was like sincere about it, then he was like, yeah, okay, no problem. We'll take care of it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I need your checking account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's like embarrassing stuff, but I'm so grateful that pastor Campbell really zeroes in on that. And, and, and he, uh, what we what we need as men is to be able to to take that responsibility on ourselves, and so uh, when we do that, though, we'll find freedom. You know, and yeah. you know, looking back on situations like that all these years later, there's still things that I do that Pastor Campbell needs to correct, and and this is part of the the wonderful gift of having a relationship with somebody uh, yeah. who is in leadership with you is that you they they have the right. To say, you know what? Uh, there's something going on right here that that you need to deal with, and yeah. and if you don't have that, you're flying blind. Yeah, I think there's an immense freedom in being able to admit fault and say, "I'm sorry." Like it's you're t- you're taking that burden off of yourself. Like you don't have to live. With you. I think what it is is it's like that condemnation that is keeping you. You know that fear of condemnation that's keeping you from you know saying you know I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. It's me. And when you let that go, it's freedom in that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's there's bondage in not doing that. Right. The longer that you remain uh, in pride and in fear of condemnation, well, you're going to stay in bondage. You're going to stay a slave. Absolutely. So um, the only thing to give up. So here's the way that a reconciliation works, right? So in, in a situation of offense, Matthew 18 principle, right? When somebody offends you, we have this principle from Jesus of what, what to do next. You go to the person, and if they admit their fault, then great, you've gained your brother. Right. Uh, if not, then we have all these steps of what, what to do next. Right. But what has to happen is there's a transaction that happens between people. And this, this is true between us and God. This is true between us and other people. Right. So the tra- transaction goes like this. In order for a relationship to be reconciled, I have to give up pride. I mm. have to give up my, my sense of I know that I'm right. And that's mm. expensive for people. Oh yeah. Oh, that's really expensive for people, man. You, you people pay don't a price. Wanna, yeah, people don't want to pay that. Right. So, but what happens when you pay that price? So then, the person who has been offended, 
the person on the receiving end of your apology, they also have to give something up. They have to pay a price. They have to p- give up their sense of retribution. Mm. Right? So, so when I've offended somebody, uh, there has to be r- grace. There has to be mercy. There has to be a choice to forgive. So when I give up my pride and then you choose to give up your retribution, there's a price to pay there as well. And when both have paid that price, then there's reconciliation. Wow. Yeah. Then there's peace. Oh, and there's the, there's the sense uh, that peace that passes all understanding that says, yeah, I've paid a price, you've paid a price, and we understand and we recognize that there is that because of the price we've paid here, there is there is a mutual benefit between the both of us. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it does. Yeah, yeah perfect absolutely. Sense. And and you know what? You you said something that was very very key, and it ties into love, where if you humble yourself or if you give up pride then in giving up pride, you're essentially coming with the motives of, man, I love this person, so I want to I want to let my guard down in order to say something be that vulnerable. is... Be vulnerable. Be vulnerable, man. And yeah. you know what? That's With us as men, That's forget tough. about it. That's, That's tough. tough. That's what, and you can't I've, show your belly. I've struggled with that, you know, right. where it's like you're essentially giving your belly like, you know, when a dog submits. Yeah. You know, and they they give you your belly. That's that's complete submission, right? And so, like I picture myself as a man, like I'm about to give you my belly. You know, right. that's not, <laughs> and that's not easy, man. Right. That's not easy. Being able to let down your your guard, there is a real struggle with an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right? but that's necessary, right? One hundred percent. Have you guys read the Twelve Rules for Life, Jordan Peterson? No, but I love Jordan Peterson. Though. Amazing. So it's the first chapter in his book, and he talks about uh, he talks about lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about the higher the, the structure of hierarchy within lobster society. Oh wow! Okay, this re- is interesting. How it reflects into humanity. Anyway, very well worth your time. Really, every okay. reader needs every listener needs to Jordan read that. Book. Absolutely. So, but what he says is that in in the lobster hierarchy, you have the big lobster on the block, right? And when when uh, when he's stronger than all the rest of the male lobsters he gets territory and he gets females and if somebody thinks that he can challenge that lobster if another male tries to challenge guess what there's a fight but there's a there's a problem when two lobsters fight each other because they need to establish dominance but they don't want to kill each other so so this is what's true Mm. so it's not that they're trying to kill each, and you see this with many other species, like out on the savanna, you know, like an uh, a lion or even right. even <clears throat> elk out in the forest, right? There's so the alpha. Th- there'll be a challenge, but it's not a challenge to the death, right? It right. never is. It's just for dominance. It's for dominance, and so one or or both may get hurt, but the 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 whole point of it is to establish dominance without getting hurt, without without being killed in the mm. process. So at some point, in order to avoid one of those parties being killed, at some point one has to choose to turn over and submit to the other. This is how we can, th- this is how civilization is built, right? So, so in, uh, let, let's translate that into, you know, the Christian world. Uh, we want to be able to raise up disciples without, uh, without shaming them so bad that they backslide. Right. You know? Without killing them. Exactly. We want to make sure that they are going to make it through the next day. And, and Pastor Campbell, Pastor Mitchell has mentioned this as well, is you got to leave room for grace. you got to leave room mm. that the, the man will still have dignity at the end right. of the day. And I've seen some, you know, some pastors or, or men in leadership that, that just belittle and, you just know. Tear into people. Name calling. Destroy them. Exactly. Ouch. And, and that, uh, that's not helpful. That's, yeah. that's No, not, you killed them. 
Yeah, and so that's that's the lobster that's trying to kill the other lobster. But mm. you know, eventually the lobster is going to uh, going to have to end its reign. You know, the the problem is that if you have that mentality of I'm the top dog and I'm always going to be the top dog. Well, guess what? In 20 years, you're not going to be the top dog. That's right, <laughs> right? Because that's why discipleship is powerful. You're raising up, just like with parenting, you're raising up somebody to replace you. Yeah, right. take your place. You exactly. Want them to be so, strong enough. At some point, you've got to be willing to to show mercy toward people, to show grace, and to you know to allow reconciliation to to, to happen. So, um, mm. and, and what what we're talking about is humility, really, right? Yeah. So, so both the the person who needs to say I'm sorry and the person who needs to hear I'm sorry, they both have to have enough humility to understand. I'm not I'm not the most important being in the universe here. Right. There's other factors going on. Yeah. And when we could all have that humility and understand that we are all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, that pastors, disciples, church members and brand new converts all the same. Guess what? We're the same at the foot of the cross. Yeah, we no are. No matter what title is before your name, right? Right. That's right. Now, and that can also, I mean, I'm listening to this and I'm like, man, I, I could uh, remember or recall a lot of times where I'd have to use that technique or use that, uh, that, that humility, uh, in marriage. Oh yeah. That's huge in marriage. Right. And it, not having, I, I think I heard recent, well, I did hear recently in our last conference where it's, you don't have to address everything. Yeah. Right. Unless it's critical. Mm -hmm. And in marriage, that could be real big, too, where it's like there can be offense that, you know, a sly remark that you can control your knee jerk reaction. Yeah, you just ignore it. it you could just For the ignore better it, good. Just ignore it and just eh, whatever, you know, and <laughs> what you trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's nothing, been, dear. Nothing. In the 17 years of me being married, man, there's there's been too many of me <clears throat> addressing that, you know, addressing different things that would turn into a huge argument when really it didn't need to, you know, and it, in the light of eternity, do I really have to address this? Not really, you no. know, and, and likewise, vice versa. Right. And and so I'm hearing this and I'm like, this could definitely because I'm thinking about our listeners who may be ladies who may be listening to this. Right. And kind of giving them a little bit of a peek into into, you know, the our how our brains work. Right. Where it's, hey, there is there is a fear. There is a process to us being able to say, uh, you know what, let me use some mercy here when mm -hmm. I'm used to just bringing down the hammer. Right. right? Oh yeah, and and I I love that idea of uh, I don't need to deal with this right now. Yeah. The, the, so what what I think about uh, th this happens with wives and with husbands, but I think maybe more often with wives is that there's this almost a nitpicky thing where uh, you know you see something in your husband, and because you love him, you want you want to change him, right? Mm -hmm. And but what many wives struggle with is that they cannot change their husband. Absolutely not. Right. That, that no, <laughs> only God that can't. Only God can change. That him. cannot happen. That's what. Yeah, you're right. A hundred percent, man. And that's very frustrating for women, right? Uh, right, right for right. wives, because they see things that that are uh, affecting their lives, right? And so, you know, if if a wife respects her husband as the head of their home, that 
that she's got to submit and surrender to him, right, and respect him. And when he makes a decision, she's got to go along with it. <laughs> and that can be hard. And she sees, you know, it, when she sees that there's uh, pride in his right. life, when she sees that there's uh, unwillingness to, you know, to deal with certain character flaws, uh, sh- then she says, okay. I can do this <laughs> and either she can, you know, be, be the carrot or the stick. Right. And, and, and yes, obviously we, we love it when our wives are uh, trying to influence us for the better, but wait, well, hold on, hold on. I need clarification yes. on being the carrot or the stick. I need this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so a wife has a powerful ability to, uh, to positively influence her husband. Right. Right. So she can say words that nobody else can say to him. And what I mean by that is an encouragement from your wife is invaluable. Oh, that is so true. I don't know about you guys, but when my wife says, I'm proud of you. Oh, man. There is nothing. Exactly. It's like Mario taking a mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) Or when she says, you know what? Uh, You're a really excellent father. I I saw how you dealt with your kids. And so a wife really can shape her husband just through encouragement like yes. that. And, and you know, we are, we are so shallow, <laughs> we are so <laughs> e- egotistical that, that just an encouragement in that direction has the ability to change us. Like, yeah. like you know, James says, words are like the rudder on the ship. And so just, you know, just a little encouragement. But the, the problem is that, that many wives say, oh, but he doesn't deserve my encouragement, right? Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I see all these little flaws. And, and so instead of encouragement, what comes out is criticism. Mm. And so uh, the criticism ends up making things worse. Is in that the, the long stick? Run. That's the stick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the stick is that, you know, uh, wives can, can do a lot of things, can be nitpicky, can do the cold shoulder kind of thing, can, mm-hmm. can withhold uh, intimacy, can, uh, well, I'm not cooking dinner tonight, uh, you know, th- those kinds of things. Right. And, um, I think the more of that that happens is, is just detri- detrimental. It's not going to yeah. help. Yeah, but what I'm saying ultimately is that whether a wife uh, is trying to influence her husband through the carrot or through the stick, at the end of the day, the thing that's going to change your husband more quickly than anything else is the Holy Spirit. That is awesome, and that's a good part right now because we're at 30 minutes, and we're going to run a quick ad real quick from our sponsors. One second. Hey, yeah, you. Do you want to start a podcast but don't know where to start? Try Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast ever. So even if you have zero podcasting experience, Anchor makes the process simple so you can focus on your content. It is an audio host website that makes recording, editing, and storing your audio easy. Anchor will even help distribute your podcast to other sites such as Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and other major audio platforms. With a clean user interface and design, Anchor gives you the tools you need to get your voice heard around the world. Give Anchor a try. Tell them the KTB Podcast sent you. And we're back. So, now, let me ask you this. Because with relationships, right, and... If if you have a meaningful relationship, whether it be with another man, whether it be with your role model, with your pastor, with your wife, you can say, man, I love this person. I genuinely love this person. Like, I, I, I love the relationship that we have. 
is just because you say that you love somebody, does that mean I never have to say sorry <laughs> because they know that they love that that I love them? That sounds like a bumper sticker. It yes, does, right? it is. It does, right? Love means never having to say I'm sorry. And it's <laughs> that sounds like a life that is going to be very lonely. Yeah. Yes, um, and that actually has a counterintuitive effect. It's going to break down relationships rather than build them up. Yeah, and 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 the the reason why I ask that is because you hear, man, love is unconditional. Love is unconditional, you know, or unconditional love. And it's like that's that's the relationship sometimes that that people reference to God where it's like there's that unconditional love and I have unconditional love for you in our marriage in in our friendship. But there's to me, there's no such thing. There are conditions that need to be in place in order for this love to remain in every relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Every mom of a newborn baby loves that child more than life itself. Right. But guess what? You still change the diapers. Yeah, right. Because when that cute little bundle of joy makes a stink, uh, you're not going to say, you know what? I just love you unconditionally. And I'm just going to let you stink up my whole house, baby. Right. And, and I'm just going to put up with all the nastiness in your life. No, no, that's stupid, right? Right. You wouldn't allow that to happen. So same way uh, that, that, you know, in relationships that there are little little piles of poo-poo all over our characters, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it is okay for a wife or a spouse or a pastor or a fellow church member to look at your life and say, brother, I care about you, and this is why I want to tell you that there, this is going to be a problem in your life. Man. Right. So being able to... to, to uh, with humility, with love, but also to deal in truth. Because yeah. that that's what that bumper sticker actually is, is love without truth. Mm. And But the, what Jesus offered us is the truth in love. That's right. So we've got to have the balance of both if we're right. going to have real, relation, real relationships that are fruitful and productive for the, for the duration of our lives. Yeah, right. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I want to I read a, a really a quick blurb from uh, Psychology Today. It says, uh, there's a reason the song is called Hard to Say I'm Sorry. Apologizing doesn't come easily or naturally for most people, including me. We often get too wrapped up in our own lives and need to consider how we might be hurting others, whether intentionally or unintentionally. In many of these instances, a genuine apology is not only necessary, but perhaps the thing that can repair an otherwise broken relationship. I read that. I was like, wow, that's so true. I mean, because we think about it. You know, we hurt people intentionally and unintentionally. Like, I, there's been numerous times where, like, a brother would come, like, uh, a brother's come to me and be like, you, you, you offended me. I'm like, really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Whatever I did, you know, I'm sorry for that. I, that was not intentional. Yeah. That was not my intention. And we cleared the air right there, you know. And um, I just thought that was very, you know, very vital to like understand that sometimes we don't even realize that we're offending somebody and that we need to say, I'm sorry. Sure. I think it's time to celebrate Festivus with an airing of grievances. (laughs) 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 Um, So one of the problems that you're talking about is that people are much more easily offended today than they were in the past. That's true. Um, so that that's half of the problem. Like we we got a generation of snowflakes that melt pretty easily. Easily. Okay. Th- another problem that we're facing is that we are dealing with a world where communication is very often 
through text messages, through social media, through online mediums, mm. in other words, through text. And this, um, th- this was not always the case, right? So the, the problem is when you are communicating with people through text message or social media, they're not getting all of what you're trying to say. Right. Okay? Oh, man, not at all. This is so true, and I have a perfect example of why. <laughs> uh, well, let me give my example ahead, first. Ahead, so as a pastor, every pastor can identify with this. So uh, my rule is that I'm fine to text message with people, but as soon as a thread turns to, to have any kind of emotional bearing, if there is any kind of importance, I pick up the phone and call right away. Right away. If, if it ever moves beyond just information passing back and forth, if there's any emotional weight, that's where I stop texting and I make a phone call. That's good practice. If you have that rule in your life, you'll save yourself a lot of problems. Yeah, you don't want things to get lost in textlation. I exactly. Think you're right. Because let me let me tell you what I happened. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> One time I had a I had a person text message me and, and I, I I don't even remember what it was, but I sent a reply and I just said okay. <laughs> and that was it. Just a, a two letter reply. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, I was fine with whatever it was. I, I don't even remember, but I can remember what I do remember about that was that they got offended when I said, okay. Yeah. They said, what are you trying to say? What trying to read between the lines? Oh, and wow. There wasn't even any lines. They're trying to read between the letters, between you know, <laughs> o, the O and the, the K between the O and the K <laughs> pastor must be mad at me or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. And for weeks and they didn't tell me. Because I just oh, replied, okay. A simple and okay response. A simple okay. And that, that was enough to, to say, well, I don't think pastor, you know, whatever. And th- in the back of their head, th- there was a problem that I was unaware of. Right. Finally, you know, after weeks, this, I was talking to this person, and, and they said, pastor, are you mad at me? I said, no. Why would I be mad at you? They said, well, because you texted Okay. they probably heard it like okay yeah okay yeah they probably thought i was i'm not gonna be able to make it to outreach pastor i have a appointment yeah okay okay yeah Yeah, something like that and you know they thought i was being sarcastic or whatever but but uh, that's a great example of you know lost in translation is and and i didn't even know that i had had remotely offended somebody but until they came and presented it. So I'm thankful eventually that they did that. Right. Right. Because how many people have we accidentally offended we don't know about? Right. And, you know, I can say. Never had the guts to say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It, but when, when this person finally came to me and I was able to say, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I promise. I, I was just saying, okay, and we're fine. I, I apologize if there was any offense. Please, let's, let's you know, reconcile this yeah. relationship. I don't want this to be a barrier. And I was able to deal with that. Right. But there. So there's there's so many people that that read things or that receive things in a way that they've gotten offended at, and, <laughs> and they'll they'll just hold on to that and like the dirty diaper man, it just gets stinkier and stinkier, and they're not willing to humble themselves enough to say, you know what, you offended me, and, yeah. and that that's part of the life of faith, by the way, yeah, is being able to present those times that I, I don't feel right about this because. Like I said, there's a price to pay with that, right? There's a certain sense of embarrassment that says, you know what? I got offended. I got offended by what you said. Mm. And the more that you do that, the the more you practice that muscle, the less you'll be prone to be offended in the future. Right. So it, it is a way to combat combat the snowflake generation, really. Because mm. the more that you're willing to say, I was offended and I do feel bad, that you know that this is not reconciled would you please explain yourself you know then then it actually helps people to be less offended in the future i think 
Right, because um, it brings a level of understanding. Exactly. That's right. Right. Because with with in getting over something like that, it's it's almost like a like a test through fire. Yeah. Right. Uh, to be tested by fire, right? And 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 so you you actually come out refined. You you come out better off mm-hmm. whenever you get through a a sort of conflict or misunderstanding. That when you reach a resolution, that's right. And you you realize, okay, this person is not a Nazi. This person right. doesn't hate me. Right. It was he just didn't mi- mean it like that. Just a misunderstanding. Yeah. Misunderstanding. And that's life. Yeah. Absolutely. And so so <laughs> in one that I that I've got, I I had um I I had said something through through text message, and I just reacted immediately after I reacted. I I I. I, I apologize to this group text, and and I had said some. We we uh, we had a group a, a thread, and I think that this is safe to say without without blurting out names or or or, or, or nothing like that. This is personal me just eating some humble pie, right? And so there was a group text of a bunch of men that we had started since last year or whatever yeah. conference or whatnot. And I felt, I felt stirred, you know, and like our, our last conference, uh, you, you hear, Hey, what you do the week after will determine where you're at, where you're going to end up the following year, this, this time next year. So how about if you're stirred, do something with that stirring. And so I was like, you know what? I remember when there was a time when I was a young disciple in the church and stuff like that. I remember seeing a lot of the men uh, challenge themselves with memory verses. And it was a challenge that actually came from pastor. Right. And, and so the men stuck with it. And I think that, you know, later on, I was like, ah, this challenge didn't come from pastor. It came from me. Maybe that's why it wasn't, it, it didn't go as long as it was supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I just got together with a group of men. Hey, would you mind, you know, would you like to be challenged if we start like a memory verse every every week or so or whatnot? So we we ended up doing that. And and through um throughout, throughout time, some folks just kind of felt like, hey, well, you know what? The memory verse really isn't for me or it's too much, you know, it's, you know, and, and and so they they decided to pull out. Hey, can you please remove me from this, right? And and so I being being someone who who has dealt with a lot of rejection in life can process things emotionally rather than well, that's not what they mean, right? Mm-hmm. And and so maybe maybe they have something else going on where they're busy, right? And so I took that as man, they're they're cutting me out of 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 their lives because they don't want to be a part of something that I try to push forward. They're rejecting me. Right. They're rejecting me and I'm trying to rally the, the people. Even though this had already gone on for months, almost almost a year. And granted, people are gonna get kind of burnt out or tired of, you know, of doing memory verses every week or whatnot. And so so they asked to to be removed. So someone started a, a new group text just without those individuals and I started off the group text by saying, and so the pruning begins, gentlemen Hey, I still encourage you to, you know, put out your uh, prayers because we're going into a time of fasting and that always helps, you know, to get through the fasting. If I know that Raymond's praying for something, fasting for something in his life, then I could incorporate that into my prayer. And so I started with that. And then someone replied, pruning? And I'm like, oh, man, as what what does pruning mean? And I looked it up. I literally went and looked at the definition of pruning. And it means cutting, cutting away something that's dead, which is how I felt that I was dead in these guys' lives as far as I, I'm not giving any fruit to you, sustaining enough where you would want to stick around. Mm-hmm. So I said that as far as me, but it was taken – once I read it, I was like, these guys think that I'm, I'm thinking that these guys are dead, that they're not worth anything, which is not the case whatsoever. Right. I immediately – I was like – 
dang it, look at all the the guys. There's older saints in this group. There, there's there's new converts in this group. And I'm like, oh heck no, I gotta go ahead and eat some humble pie and just apologize. Hey, bro, I did not mean that one one hundred percent. Did not mean that in that way. And so they replied, the the you know the individual replied back, hey, no worries, bro, it's all good, you know. And so the conversation went on, right, for a little bit, and then it kind of died out. But word had gotten back to these individuals through text message, through the text message of, well, Ernie said this. Ernie said, you know, there's a pruning. And I'm like, um, that's not, that's not, I didn't mean it that way, you know. And I had to go and apologize to just, you know, even though I didn't mean it that way, I had to get over that fear of embarrassment. Right. Because sometimes you may not be the one that, that, that actually, you didn't mean it a certain way, like you said, the okay. Right. It was just okay, you know? And, but through text message, things can be misunderstood on a whole yeah. other level where face-to-face or a phone call definitely clears some things Body up. language, tone of Body voice. Body language. And you, so, you miss so much in text messages. So much. And so when I went to this one individual that removed himself from the group and, I, and, and it came up in conversation and me just apologizing, just, hey, man, I haven't been the best example to you, man. And I just sincerely want to apologize for that, you know, and, uh, and I haven't been there for you like I should have. And so, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and and they brought it up like, hey, and I heard this, and I'm like, well, did did you hear how I immediately retracted those words as soon as I said that? Because this is what I meant. No, I didn't hear that part. Well, then this is what I meant. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you could see, you could feel a release yep. of holding on to something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I definitely get it. I've 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 shoved my foot far into my mouth plenty <laughs> of times via text message. Having that practice that you mentioned of as soon as the context of the text message goes beyond informational into an emotional state, pick, pick up, up the, the phone, phone and call. pick up the phone. Absolutely. You will improve your life immensely if you do that. Yeah. There's a couple of things I want to, uh, that as you were talking, <clears throat> I was um, considering that the, uh, I'm thinking about all of this cancel culture that we're having right now. And I think what, what, one of the things that is contributing to this cancellation culture that we have now is the fact that we are being removed from our Christian foundations as a nation. America has traditionally been a place where you can find uh, healing, where you can find reconciliation, where you can find forgiveness if you truly ask for forgiveness and repent. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it, I can remember, you know, news stories from back in the day when a politician did something or said something stupid. You know, the next conference, they would get asked about it, and they would say, yeah, you know, I didn't really mean it like that. I'm sorry if somebody was offended, you know, whatever. And everybody would move on, right? That's right. Okay, but that doesn't happen anymore. No. (laughs) Now you get hounded and... Not only that, but if 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 you say something or do something that is seen as cancelable, it's like you don't even have the chance anymore. Nope. Yeah, it's to, like to you're make an apology, and even if you do make the apology, it's like you're giving something up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so you know, now we see this trend that started with Trump. Honestly, of I don't care, I don't, I, I, whatever. I'm just moving forward. I'm not going to apologize for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and. Uh, and, and that's kind of that strategy has been adopted by all sides, you yeah. know, like even our current governor, you know, Governor uh, Blackface. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and whatever, yeah. every attack that came, he, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. Right? right. And so I think that that is is a mark of the removal of our Christian foundations as a nation is mm-hmm. that we are not practicing this art of reconciliation. 
as much yeah. as we have in the past. Right. Right. Where there was more of a focus on, hey, you know, let's maintain this relationship. Right. Right. Now it's kind of like, oh, well, you don't agree. Well, then I'm cutting you off. Oh, well. So, so that you reminds know. me the opposite of love. The opposite of love is not hatred. It's apathy. It's when I don't care anymore. Mm. You know, you know that a marriage is going to fall apart when you can look at your wife and say, you know what? I don't, I just don't care anymore. Oh, wow. You know? So, uh, uh, Jesus said, I'd rather have you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I spew you out. out. That's right. So, so the opposite of love is not hatred. It's when you don't care. It's when you're apathetic. And that's, that's the problem that we're seeing. We should really talk about why relationships are important because, the whole idea of reconciliation and saying I'm sorry, that's the tool to reach reconciliation. But the point of it is to have the relationships. The whole point of the Bible, the whole point of the plan of salvation is so that we could have a relationship, relationship. with God. That's right. right. It was in the garden. God created man to have a relationship. Everything that's so fundamental and foundational to how he made us, mm-hmm. that's right. right? So God didn't create us to exist in our own. God saw that man was alone. He said, this is not good. He needs a relationship. relationship. Yes. So there was a relationship between people, and that relationship fuels the relationship between God, man God. and God. That's right. And so the sin is the ultimate relationship breaker. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until they, they could apologize and repent that they could have that relationship restored. So the whole work of the cross, the blood of Jesus, the nails, the th- crown of thorns, all of the, the trauma that he went through was to restore relationships. Yeah, right. This is so fundamental to the kingdom, and this is why that we need to practice this inside of our churches. Right. Because we are supposed to be the the kingdom of God on earth. We're supposed to be the ambassadors of Christ, right? We're supposed right. to be the, the 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 outpost of heaven here on earth. Mm-hmm. And so when we are in our church, yeah, offenses are going to happen. As soon as you get people together, they're going to be starting uh, to offend each other. Oh, yeah, where there's ox, there's there's dung. That's right. Yep. And so what I'm saying is that we should be the first one. Jesus said you will know that the world will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Wow. That's, that's not just that's not just the um, you know, the goosebumps that we feel when we sing Christian songs together. That is the evidence of you offended me, bro, but because I love you, I'm presenting this. We need to work this out. We need to reconcile. We need to make this right. We need to make it right. And that's that's why the church in the book of Acts was such a miracle. It says that they were of one heart and they were of one spirit. They were, there was no disagreement among them. There was, and even though you know that there was offenses. Oh, absolutely. You know, everybody comes from a different place. You got some fishermen's put together with some tax collectors put together with some, you know, and it's, you're, you're going to get a mix of different people and personalities, but the one glue that keeps them together is that relationship with God. One of my favorite all-time stories in the, in the New Testament is the story of Saul of Tarsus. Right. So Saul of Tarsus, when he was uh, converted on the road to Damascus, he was on the road to Damascus to do what? To persecute Christians. Yeah. Persecute Christians yeah, in the church. jail them prob- right. and possibly kill them. He probably had a list of names in his pocket. I don't know mm-hmm. if he had pockets, but somewhere on his person, right. there was mm-hmm. a list of targets yeah, that's right. that he was going to try to arrest and persecute. Yeah. And thank God that he got converted on that road. Mm-hmm. But the next thing that happened is that he went on into Damascus. Mm-hmm. Probably still had that list. Yeah. 
except now that his life has been changed. Right. So still the same person on the outside, but in the inside, something has changed. But one of the greatest challenges is the man that met him there. And uh, the name is escaping me at the moment. But he, he meets a man there and says uh, I, uh, that the Lord has commanded me to pray for you so mm-hmm. that your eyes would be opened. Right. right. And maybe you guys can look up the scripture for me while, while I'm talking about it. But he, he, he prays for that. And, and, and then it's his job to, to, say, uh, to turn to the church and say, hey, guys, guess what? Saul got saved. Yeah. yeah. And now he's going to be part of our church. Isn't that a great idea? <laughs> so just 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 think about that now let's let's try to let's try to relate that or illustrate that to, to today to, to today's day you have someone that like in every church you have someone that's an atheist that hates the church and hates what they stand for and and probably constantly does something to try to impact the church in a negative way right and so, or come against the church in a negative way maybe you try to put a concert together and then someone from the city comes and shuts it down you, there's that one person that has that power and control and now that person has in it, they they have an intimate interaction with god where they come and meet someone from the church and and that and that person they can see that change absolutely and then they're going to bring them out to a sunday morning service like, yep. hey yep. guess who i got right so Saul, Saul was probably responsible for people that had been killed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There was probably people in that church that could say, you know, my brother, he's in prison because of Saul. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's probably people in that same church uh, there. And, and it, it's even specific. Paul, in his testimony later on, he says that it, when in my former life, I used to drag away women and children even into prison. Wow. And to to now that he's saved and he shows up for a church on Sunday morning and people are looking at him, you know, can you imagine the tension that's there? Absolutely. And now this disciple uh, who's been called to pray for him and introduce him to the rest of the church. Now it's his challenge to uh, to facilitate a reconciliation. All right. Wow. So the uh, the verse you were looking for was is, uh, is Acts nine thirteen, And this is the uh, then Ananias went into the house and entered it placing his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, and he got up right. and was baptized. So this is not the same Ananias as in right. Right. chapter it's 5. Right. 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 So this is, uh, yeah, same, same name but different person. Right. And uh, it's always funny because uh, the word ananas in Bulgarian means pineapple. So I always think of pineapple when I read that scripture. <laughs> but uh, pineapple um, came and met with Saul and spoke the point, a word. <laughs> Ananias is such a key figure in the in the New Testament that we don't, you know, we often skip over this, but without Ananias, would we have the apostle Paul? Mm, Probably not. Right. right. Without Ananias being willing to obey the Lord to go and pray for a Christian murderer Right. And not only that, but to take the next step and say, uh, take that step of reconciliation to be the peacemaker. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, blessed, blessed are the peacemakers. Mm -hmm. He brought, he brings Saul into the fellowship of believers. Barnabas also comes in later to, Mm -hmm. to help with the same task. And he provides this, this atmosphere where reconciliation can happen yeah. now paul saul at the time he's mm-hmm. going to have to eat a whole lot of humble pie a lot he's going to have to look in people's eyes and and recognize. say there's people in prison today because of me your family members there's some that are dead there's some that are in heaven because i persecuted them yeah so he's going to have to pay a high price of apology 
But the other high price is those in the church who are going to have to pay that high price of, of giving up their retribution. Releasing them. Absolutely. Releasing that bitterness. Absolutely. But thank God that they did. Yeah. Because that is where the apostle, the, that the, the Christian murderer named Saul can become the, the apostle, apostle Paul. Paul. That's right. Wow. That's where transformation can happen. Man. Right. Now you, you, you said something that, that really kind of connected some nuggets with, with me. And I don't know if, if the, the, the listeners may have caught this, but I, but I just want to reference to how you said, you know, that, that, that there's apathy, right. And the opposite, that's the opposite of love is apathy. Right. So, and you said that that's kind of like an I don't care type of attitude or almost like a numbness. Yep. Right. So there's a numbness that desensitization. That, right? Yes. That you give place to that can be very, very toxic. And you and you also went right into the nails, the cross, the crown. There's also that that wine that was given to Jesus yep. when when it when it was that time where he was about to die, yep. you know. And what did he do? Did he swallow that? Because that that is what the soldiers would give to numb, right? To mm-hmm. give a numbness to the to the pain. And you also reference how Jesus said, "You're either hot or you're cold. If you're warm, then I'm going to spit you out." That that lukewarmness can also be numbness. To me, that's what I caught is right. there's there's a numbness that if you give it place and you swallow it. That it'll affect you not only in it'll affect you in a whole lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So do the same thing that Jesus and spit that thing out and spit it out. and and in spitting it out, you're pretty much essentially allowing yourself to go through some pain, absolutely, and embarrassment and letting go of pride. But there's healing that comes after that. One of the lessons I've learned in my life is that if you don't pay a price for something, then it's worthless to you. Mm. It has no value. What Jesus was doing when he rejected the wine is he was making a conscious decision to pay the full price. I don't want a discount. I don't want a 20% bargain. I'm going to pay the full price. I'm going to feel every bit of this. Right. Because this is the only way for us to experience 100% salvation. Man, that sounds like a sermon right there. We don't want 80% (laughs) salvation or 90%. We want the whole thing. We want all of our sins forgiven. Paid in full. Absolutely. And he said, it is finished. If he would have taken that wine, then it is not finished. Right. Because the price was not paid. Okay, so so then there's still something left to do. But thank God, nothing left to do. Teteleshtai is, it is finished. The price is paid. The, The transaction is complete. Okay, and that's why so many relationships are in trouble today because there are people who refuse to pay that price. Right. Either from the side of the one who is apologizing or from the one who needs to forgive. And the Bible deals with both, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible deals with the willingness to humble yourself, but the Bible also says, forgive in the same way you will be forgiven. Right. And if you refuse to forgive, then your father in heaven is going to refuse to forgive you. Right. Mm. And there's the parable of uh, the the unjust debtor. Right. Who was forgiven these millions and millions of dollars and uh, just let him go. He was forgiven his debt. But then he goes find the guy who owes him 20 bucks. Right. And doesn't have that same grace and picks him up by the collar. (laughs) You better pay me, bro. But (laughs) and uh, when when the master finds out about it, guess what? Throw him in prison. Mm. This is this is this is. 
God is telling us that our relationship with him is affected by our relationship with others. Right. Jesus, the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And so the relationships on a horizontal level that we have in our lives are evidence of the relationship, the vertical, vertical. that we have with God. That's I right. was thinking that when you said that earlier, when our relationship Bro. with other people affects our relationship with God. And now that this numbness is so common, right? This, this apathy, uh, I don't care. Everything is so rampant in the world. That's why so many people's relationship with God is, is, is severed. Yep. Yep. And that, and that's it. And then that's why our connection with God is so close within the church is because we learn how to handle these situations. Right. And yeah. have love. There's that scripture about having a conscience that is seared with a hot iron. Yeah. Mm. That, that's what that is. And yeah. that gives you the image of like, if you take a hot iron and you touch it to the palm of your hand, mm-hmm. it's going to be intense pain. Right. The first time. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you let that pain subside and you let your skin heal and it grows over and it's a, a it's a, a one layer thicker mm-hmm. then you do it again and you're still gonna feel pain but you know if you do it again and again eventually those years, nerve endings are gone the nerves that's there. right that's right <laughs> you your feel hand, nothing your, your hand probably wouldn't work anymore but <laughs> but <laughs> right. you would be able to touch a hot iron to your hand and that's not, the image of the world feel it that, that is more the world than, is a burnt yes, hand that can I, no longer feel I wish we had like a like an explosion, a <laughs> mind blown <laughs> moment right there that you could just add in there, man. But that is that is so. Wait, hold! I got one. I got one. Practical nuke incoming! <laughs> there we go. That, that was a tactical nuke right there. <laughs> that was beyond mind blown, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is oh man, this is a lot of good stuff. Really good. But um, yeah, when when that happens, man, you become numb to to the offenses that are around you. If you don't deal with it correctly, then you lose sensitivity. This this happens. This is true between people, but even more concerning is when it happens between you and God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God's trying to deal with you about something, mm-hmm. and you say, "Not today, God. Not right. today." And the fire of the Holy Spirit. You know, you hear a sermon, you go to the altar, but. You, you, how many know just because you go to the altar doesn't mean you deal with it. Exactly. Right. You can go up there and close your eyes and fall asleep for 30 seconds and <laughs> wake up and stand and, up, sing. Yeah. And and, then, yeah. and everybody thinks, oh, he, he really got a hold of God up there. No, no, no. No, no. You just, you just looking for a stretch. Be, yeah. There's uh, some work that has to be put. Absolutely. That. And so, again, if you don't pay a price for something, mm-hmm. it's going to be worthless to you. That's and right. so the price that we have to pay to get right with God is what you said is humility it's being willing to own up to the problem, being willing to take ownership and responsibility and say, you know what, God, I'm the problem here. It's not my family. It's not the world around me. Not everyone it's else. It's not my skin color. It's, right? it's me. It's me. It's me. And, and when we acknowledge that, again, that is where freedom begins. Ooh. That is big. That is good, man. That's amazing. And you know what? That may be, uh, that may be, uh, very, very key, not only to, uh, to to believers, but unbelievers, folks who may listen in to mm-hmm. our podcast and listen to this, you know, um, you know what, if you seek God, 
that will heal so many different relationships. If you don't have that relationship with God and you're wondering, why do I keep hitting brick walls? Why can't I maintain good relationships? Why do I always feel lonely and in a state of depression? And it's because you have to reestablish that connection with the Father. Yeah. And in reestablishing that connection with the Father, that will you will see all other relationships not only be added on to you, but, right. but, but be blessed and flourish. And what, what relationships need to be mended yeah. will be made aware. And we should not water this down because this is why there's so many false conversions in our world today where religion has become a replacement for a relationship with right. God because people get a, a little religious feel in their in their body, you know, mm-hmm. or they, you know, they, they watch a Christian message or a Christian movie <laughs> or read a Christian book. And they're like, Oh yeah, I really, uh, man, I need to be more spiritual and, and visit a church service even mm-hmm. and tickle that little religious bone in their life. Mm-hmm. But, but again, they haven't paid the price yeah. for repentance. And because of that, uh, they haven't received the full measure of salvation. Right. And so that's the seed that is, it, it grows for a little while, but then the sun shines on it and it dies out or the thorns, the thorns grow up and the, the troubles it choke, like, it choke it out. That's right. Because <clears throat> the full price of repentance has not been paid. Yep. So that's, that's, we should never water this down. We shouldn't say, you know, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus, or I, I let Jesus be a part of my schedule. You know, <laughs> I, I, I added Jesus on top of all of the other things that I'm doing in my life. No, no, no. What serving Jesus means is 100% surrender. 100%. I give up, Lord. My purpose, my plans for my life are stupid, and they're leading me to destruction. And what I need is not my will, but your will in right. my life. Uh, Jesus said, if you're not willing to forsake all that you are and all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. Right. And he put the bar really, really high, and many churches and many Christians keep the bar low because we want to see seats getting filled, but the bar needs to be high. He said, few, the, the, road, the road that leads to life is narrow, and few there will be that find it. But mm-hmm. the road that leads to destruction is wide. It's easy to travel. It's the super highway, it's smooth man, like the six lane freeway. <laughs> it's easy to ride on. You don't even have to open your eyes most of the time. If you want to go to hell, it's easy. Easy. Just do. Just live your life. You'll get to hell. Real quick. (laughs) If you want to to find life and forgiveness and relationship with God and peace with God, man, it takes a sacrifice. And the good news is that God is not asking us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do in the first place. He proved it to us. He sent his son, Jesus, who lived his life in 100% submission to the will of the Father. He said, you want to see what a successful life looks like? This is it. 100% obedience to the Holy Spirit. Right. And people say, well, I'm not Jesus. Well, that doesn't mean you should stop trying. Right. <laughs> right. That's... We are to strive for perfection. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, we realize nobody here has sprouted angel wings yet, but <laughs> that doesn't mean that we should stop striving. Right. We, sh- right. we should strive. <laughs> I preached a sermon a while ago on this, but it was called reach for the stars to get out of the mud. Mm. And the point is that if we are not striving for that lofty goal of perfection, then we're going to remain in our sin, and we're not going to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and we are going to become apathetic. Mm. And so, you know, we, we look at the Bible, and we see all of these high standards, man, and we should let those things 
still affect us. We should still right. let the words of Jesus affect us. Like when he said, you know, you, you look upon a woman yes. uh, and with lust. That's the one that that's the one thing that comes to my that was a huge part of my testimony. That was the one thing that I read that actually like reverberated through my head multiple times. It was just like even if you just look at a woman in lust, you've mm-hmm. already committed adultery in your heart. And it struck so deep into my soul. I'm just like, ouch. Yeah, it, I didn't know that this was the standard, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And isn't it funny how oftentimes we read these harsh scriptures and the first thing that pe- preachers do is they soften it. They water it down a little bit, right. you know? And, and we say, we read the scriptures and Jesus says, you know, if your hand offends you, then cut it off. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus didn't water that down. He didn't soften that. Right. But the next thing that most preachers would say is, oh, but he didn't actually literally mean take a knife and then cut off your hand. <laughs> <laughs> just, just take it easy, bro. You know, it's, you know, he, he's being, he's being um, symbolic here, you know, and soften the blow of what Jesus was actually trying to say. Right. But we shouldn't do that. We, we should let the scripture... Through. We should let the scripture stand on its own. Right. We should let the words of Jesus impact us because that's where we begin to see the price that we need to pay right. in order to experience. How serious we should take it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right, man. No, that's 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 amazing right there. And you know what? We covered a lot of topics here. We covered a lot of different things. We got, I, I think we got down to the root of it. Dude, I ended up getting a lot more from this conversation than I thought I was, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. No, this was refreshing, seriously, yeah. man. And this is a, uh, a a topic that that helps me in 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 talking about it. Not only talking about it, but listening to you know how how it, how I can apply some things. Because if we get to the place where it's like, oh, I know, oh, I got this, mm-hmm. you know, then then we then we're shooting ourselves in the foot yeah. we're setting ourselves up for failure if you think that you've been through a lot of relationships and some relationships just didn't work out it's like oh well you know well, that's, that's into that, that right? apathy right and it's i it, we're shooting ourselves in the foot and we could set into that apathy just because yeah. it takes sometimes it takes effort and work to Absolutely. want to make something work and we should want that because at the end of the day if you have the gift of knowing that you're about to die at the end of your life lying on a hospital bed, family is surrounding you, and you know you're about to step into eternity. The things that you're going to appreciate in life is not the bank account. Nope. It's not the things that you own. It's not your house or your lawn or your boat or your car. It's going to be the relationships. Yep. I am so glad that this person, you know, that, I, that it worked it out. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, we see this uh, in the Bible. We see it between, uh, we see between Paul and Peter, that there was a argument, right, be- right, between the two of them, but there was there was an, an effort to make sure that even though there's a disagreement, that we can still be brothers in Christ. That's right. right. And isn't it true that as parents, one of the worst things that happens is our children fighting with each other, right? Oh, I hate 100%. it. Don't you hate that? I hate yeah. it. Like you are. I have two girls. You're sisters. You're going to be sisters. exactly alike. You're going to be sisters the rest of your life. Like, there's a lot of friends. Just get along. But you don't have other sisters, so you have to get along. You have to understand how to work right. things out. Don't you think God in heaven, looking down at this world, and he sees uh, so much drama. He sees Jerry Springer. He sees people. Th- <laughs> oh, gosh. He sees married couples <laughs> refusing to reconcile differences. Yeah. Uh, and, and man, it's got to be endlessly frustrating to God. You are my children, especially you in the church. You mm-hmm. are my children bought by the blood of Jesus. Just work it out. Right. Just reconcile. That's why Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit the kingdom Kingdom. of God. Mm. That's right. Man. 
I don't think that I could add anything else. No, no. That's good. You you just nailed everything else that I had in my mind to the cross. (laughs) Okay, well, everybody's life is going to be perfect from now on. (laughs) No, but I think helpful uh, conversations like this need to take place more on a regular basis and more within men, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And so that's one one of the reasons why we wanted to go ahead and cover this. And um, you know what? Before we we close out, I I just want to say thank you. Sincerely. Pastor Adam Dragoon, thank you, uh, because this these are the conversations that we would have as men sometimes. That mm-hmm. that's and that's where the the idea of wanting to do a podcast or how can someone benefit from the conversations that we're having, right? right. And so um, you were one of the first ones that I reached out to because you had a very long standing uh, podcast and and had experience with being able to do this. And I and I went to you and you were open enough to to hey let me to give me some serious feedback to oh, give yeah. us some notes oh some yeah we feedback. really really appreciate it and even though we haven't arrived right oh, we don't have we <laughs> we barely have like six people listening to us <laughs> uh, it's fine <laughs> but even uh, if it you, finds one person i'm fine with that. that exactly and so thank you thank you for joining us thank you for in the beginning being one of the uh the uh the pieces to this puzzle uh, that allows us to do what, what we're doing now yeah you, know, you guys are doing a great job keep it up and you actually have a podcast do you want to plug that yes, oh i'd love to in. yeah so um since uh the original podcast uh, was unable to continue um i did start up another podcast it's called why should I care podcast and a kind of a different format. I'm trying to do daily, uh, in 10 minutes or less yeah, I've seen that. topics. Uh, and so, uh, hasn't been every day, but I've been trying to do it every day. And, uh, so this is not necessarily aimed at, uh, at fellowship, but just a general audience and, uh, basically topics of the day, mm-hmm. uh, things that are on my mind, if current you events, yeah, current events and, um, you know, uh, even spiritual things, uh, and like yesterday, I did an episode about cryptocurrency that I think is important for people. I saw that one. So, uh, but yeah, if, if you're interested in, in uh, what thoughts I might have on issues of the day, uh, uh, if you are a depraved enough mind to want to enter my brain, <laughs> <laughs> it's called Why Should I Care Podcast, and it's available all the places you can get podcasts. Nice. Awesome. Any they can follow you on social media? Yeah. Uh, it's all the, uh, the, uh, the handles are Why Care Podcast. Gotcha. Uh, the website is whycarepodcast.com. But Make nice. it simple. That's it, man. Keep it simple. That's awesome. So. That's awesome. Well, again, if you want to reach out to the KTB Podcast, you can find us on Twitter at the KTB Podcast and also on Instagram at the KTB uh, Look at that. <laughs> so professional around here at the KTB Podcast. And if you want to send us an email, that's KTB Podcast at Gmail. Uh, again, Pastor Dragoon, we thank you for joining us. It was an honor. It's been a blessing. Yeah. I think everyone got some uh, really good nuggets from this uh, conversation. I know I did. I did too. (laughs) It was really good. I think I need to go and repent now. (laughs) (laughs) Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right. All right. That's all we got. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. Uh, Follow us, follow Pastor Dragoon, and leave us some feedback. Let us know if you'd like to hear another pastor, you know, here on the show or, you know, and or some more topics that we could cover. We would love to hear from you guys. All right. And with that being said, KTB out. Later. If you like what you just heard and you want to support the podcast, consider becoming a patron. Head on over to patreon.com backslash the KTB podcast and become a patron today. All of your support will go to improving the viewing and listening experience. Thank you for your support.
It is much appreciated.